today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We've spent a lot of time in the program, and I think a lot of time here in this province over the last little while, talking about energy and energy consumption and and alternative forms of energy. And of course, we know the government's made this huge commitment to EVs, uh, and of course, battery production, and that means mining minerals, etc. But uh, we're a long way from that happening. But there are other things going on. Uh, that seem to be happening uh, kind of under the radar, but there's an incredible development that's happening not too far from the Hamilton area, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Six Nations are developing a huge battery project, and this could well be the future energy supply for Ontario. Uh, and the thing that surprised me as I read this piece uh, yesterday is, uh, why isn't the provincial government talking about this? Uh, you know, this is, this is big news. I don't know if they don't understand that or whatever. Uh, somebody who does understand that, though, is uh, Fatima Sayed, who is, of course, uh, the journalist with the Narwhal. The Narwhal, uh, to their credit, have done some incredible research into this uh, and uh, presenting a story here that is, I think, very, very encouraging for the future here in the province of Ontario. And Fatima, uh, first of all, great to have you back on the program. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you for having me back, Bill. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How'd you guys find out about this? Because nobody else is talking about this, not to any great extent, anyway. <laughs> you know, Bill, I'm a bit of a nerd, and I've been actually <laughs> trying to learn more about Anida since I heard about it months ago. So, um, you know, this is one of those projects that has appeared in every energy report over the last several um, months. It, it's a it's a project that the energy minister has has mentioned frequently in his remarks, but briefly. Um, so it's kind of been this, um, you know, less understood, uh, less heard of pillar of Ontario energy transformation. Um, and, and I've spent like a lot of time, time trying to learn more because, as you said at the top, it is really interesting. And the transformation that it's bringing about is also very interesting. Well, one of the knocks against alternative forms of energy, of course, is uh, is it going to be there when you need it? You know, if it's not windy, uh, how how do you generate energy? Same thing with, with solar power. So so storage of energy has always been a problem, and they've just kind of thrown our hands up and said, well, we're working on that. Well, we'll get back to you on that. Uh, the, the folks at this Oneida Energy Storage Project aren't just thinking about it. I mean, they've made some huge strides, haven't they? They have. Yeah. And, and, you know, as technology has evolved, um, you know, we don't necessarily think of technology and energy going in hand in hand sometimes, but that's what's happening here. Um, you know, we've got two major uh, players who, who are leading the way. One is NR Store, which is this company led uh, by Annette Verschupren, who um, created Michael's, the arts and crafts uh, store mm -hmm. that we all know and love and, and was president of Home Depot for years and uh, Six Nations Development Corporation, which is sort of this uh, for-profit company created by Six Nations. Both of them have independently been looking at how to transform and boost uh, the energy industry, um, particularly focusing on renewable. Right. How do we make it more sustainable in the climate emergency? Um, and, and, and they sort of come together and seen the technology, seen it work in Australia, in America, in, in parts of Europe and, and wondered why it doesn't exist in Canada. Um, so this project is actually the, the, going to be the biggest in Canada, but it's the third largest in the world. Um, and, and they expected to power a city the size of Oshawa, which is over 400,000 people. Um, and if it works, uh, you know, think about Saskatchewan, for example, where which does depend a lot on coal. 
a battery energy storage and battery technology could help Saskatchewan, for example, move away from coal. Um, so it, it's really interesting, Bill, and and the transformation that's going to come about is is going to be massive and and could be could change our lives quite literally. Well, it's going to, and, and and to a certain extent, I guess it already has. And and as you've, uh, as 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 a policy nerd, you're a self-confessed policy nerd. As you said, you've done a lot of work <laughs> on this, and uh, and there's some some there's some powerful people behind this. Tesla providing battery technology, uh, Canadian construction giant Acon is is there. Toronto-based Northland Power, uh, and, and so many others. So these people all seem to understand this, and they've bought into this because they see the future. Uh, But as you mentioned in the piece, and this is one of the things that I found surprising, uh, the Ontario government's sort of kind of being dragged kicking and screaming into this. They weren't really hot about the idea at first, were they? Yeah, I think if we're talking about chicken and egg scenario, I think, you know, uh, the the idea didn't come from the government. It came from from these individuals. And 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 it's especially interesting that. And, and we should note this um, more, I think, is that it's it's being led by an indigenous a nation. You know, it, it's being led by the Six Nations, which in the energy industry is, is a big deal because uh, historically energy projects are created without consultation or even involvement of indigenous communities whose land these, these projects are built on. So they're flipping the process, first of all, which is huge. And, and yeah, there was no process for energy storage. There was no consideration before Oneida, um, you know, came knocking on the government's door and on all the energy industry's door and said, hey, we have this really cool idea. We've thought about everything, but the policy framework isn't there. Um, what are you going to do about it? And um, everyone sort of came together somehow after a lot of meetings and a lot of persuasion and convincing. And, um, you know, the way they describe it to me is that it was all thought out. Everything they could possibly think of they thought of and pitched and it just worked it was just an idea that worked in every capacity so the government had to green light it well i find this interesting because let, let's do the a comparator here okay because you know the government does seem to be almost uniquely focused on on you know the the ring of fire and extracting the minerals from there and i can understand that that's that's a big deal of what they want to do in the future uh but a key part of that that they haven't really addressed yet is okay it, as you point out in the piece, let's sit down with the indigenous peoples in those areas, and and you know who, you know they that's their land. They own some of the mineral rights. How can we strike a deal? Uh, and boy, that's going to take some time. And in the meantime, uh, you got Matt Jamieson, who's the president and CEO of Six Nations on the Grand River Development. I mean, he said, "Hey, we've we've already done the hard work here, the heavy lifting, guys. Uh, look what we've got. I mean, this is not a concept that these guys have." Uh, they they've just developed this whole concept, this whole idea, brought the partners in already, and now they seem to be knocking on the door and saying to the provincial government, "Do you want to come in on this? Are you in?" I mean, look where we are here. Yeah, I don't think it was an easy journey by any 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 no, aspect. No. It was a it took years to get here, but um, everyone's now on the same page, which is what makes Anida which is one of the reasons why Anida is so interesting because you've got the private sector, but you've also got the public sector, the Ontario government and the federal government is, uh, you know, the Ontario government is bringing the policy framework to enable it to happen and grow and set up. And then you've got the federal government financing it in part, at least. So it's this rare public private enterprise in the energy industry um, where where everyone is is supportive of it, and now you've got not only the Ontario Minister of Energy talking about it uh, in his you know public remarks, but you also have 
you know, the federal minister of natural resources also talking about NIDA and, and the transformation that it could bring. Um, so really all eyes are on the, on these 10 acres of land, uh, as you said, very close to Hamilton, Haldeman County, and the impact it will have, um, not just on energy, but on community, right? Uh, Matt Jamison, you, you mentioned of Six Nations Development Corp wants 50% of the jobs at least to uh, be people from six nations. Um, I think that's going to transform the way energy is supplied, operated, managed in Ontario, but also across Canada. I, I'm intrigued though, because like I say, the governments and not just the Ontario government, but others uh, seem to be, a, as we say, kind of centered on extraction right now uh, and mm-hmm. haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about storage. Uh this is a visionary idea uh, to actually say, you know, let's let's work on that because they're going to need this real soon. And and so, you know, we're, we're kind of playing catch up. But I mean, as you say, these guys have done some incredible work already. Uh, yeah, talk and let's about, not forget the Ontario government's also increasing natural gas at the same time. Right? Yeah, because, well, they're kind of they're hedging their bets here, aren't they? I mean, in case exactly. this isn't ready in time. And I guess As that's what governments so, need to so do. Eloquently said, the past and future of energy industry is, is in battle with each other in Ontario, and it'll be interesting to see who wins. Well, and and I, the problem with that, and I guess the concern the federal, the provincial government has is, like you say, they want to cover their butts just in case. Uh, but by the same token, uh, they have to understand how far along this is, and 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 you know you you can't say one thing out of one side of your mouth and something else on the other side of the mouth. If they're, if they're really committed to alternative fuels, like the premier says they are right now, uh, they pretty much have to go all in on this at some point, because this is where it's going to be energy storage. Uh, and, and the impact this is going to have on economic development for the, the Southern Ontario area, I, I think would be significant here, wouldn't it? it? It would, because, you know, I think one thing that People don't really, I, I think people often take electricity for granted because it is all around us. Um, but what's happening in Ontario is really fascinating because uh, as the climate emergency, uh, you know, intensifies and, and brings the worst impacts, we have to consider quickly moving off fossil fuels. And in order to do that, we already have a pretty clean grid, as people like to say time and time again. But to ensure that it stays clean, we have to try these things and, and, and you know, make them work. Um Energy storage is interesting because, you know, compared to wind farms, for example, they don't require that much land. So, you know, that that land battle that we've seen for years and years where it's going to take mm-hmm. so much land to build so many turbines, we can, we can you know, stop that if energy storage works. Um, it also, they're small batteries. They're not that big. They're like, you know, they're, they're not as giant as wind turbines or solar panels. So uh, they're not going to be, they're not super tall. So, you know, everyone's concerns about what they're looking at might also be dissipated. So there are a lot of pros. And then, of course, there's there are some hesitations and uncertainties, as you mentioned. Where are we going to get the lithium from? How many batteries do we actually need to power the entire province if this is this is the future. Um, you know, if, if Tesla is involved, I, I haven't been able to get comment from them. Um, what is the extent of their involvement? And, and you know, how, how do we ensure that it stays like an Ontarian thing? Um, and, and, and then moreover, you know, is the financing sustainable? Right now we've got the federal government giving some money. So there's some taxpayer money involved. But it, is this going to be a profitable, uh, you know, enterprise? And, um, you know, will we be able to... Uh, 
grow energy storage in a way that we don't need the natural gas that Ontario is currently increasing at the same time, just in case. So there are a lot of questions to be answered. I'd like to see more conversation from government officials about this. You know, I have asked the minister's office many, many times to talk about Anida and understand the government's perspective on energy storage and just largely on renewables. And I have not been granted interview time or, or FaceTime or none of my questions have really been answered. So I, I'd like for us to have a, a greater, more robust and nuanced provincial discussion about energy policy so that we can all be involved. Because that's what Anita is trying to do, right? It's trying to put energy back in the hands of the people, that it's not just a solely government-run, government-managed enterprise, but that communities can be involved and communities can reap the benefits of, of the changes in energy policy. Well, and as always, and I'm glad you mentioned this about, you know, this is not government driven. Uh, the, some of the best ideas, some of the most innovative ideas come from the private sector, from from entrepreneurs. Uh, and, and certainly this group is is very entrepreneurial. Uh, you know, if you waited for government to do things, we'd never have anything done. We'd still be rubbing sticks together to start fires. Uh, we need these these kind of uh, forward thinking people. And, and they've, they've jumped in here and done such an incredible job with this now. Uh, and I, I get it because the government's still kind of, well, I, I guess we're in. Yeah, OK, we'll do this. But they're still having the debate, aren't they, about, about, about refurbishing Pickering and what are they going to do with nuclear? Uh, they really don't have a, a hard and fast policy about energy, the future energy for this province, really, do they? Yeah, don't forget that the Ford government in its first term was canceling a lot yes. of um, <laughs> policies that would have brought about renewable and sustainable energy, right? They canceled cap and trade, a lot of save energy programs, a lot of renewable contracts. Um, you know, those 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 things were set up to perhaps usher in things like energy storage sooner and create an environment for, for, for those kind of innovations. But then in its second term, because we learned, because the pandemic happened and we learned that energy demand has gone through the roof and our energy needs are going to triple in, you know, the next decade, um, the government has been forced sort of to reconsider its stance on energy. And as we look to electrification of everything, including transportation, um, the government is hedging its bets now on, on energy storage and natural gas. Which, again, you know, is confusing if you think about it, because one will worsen the climate emergency. Natural gas is, you know, carbon heavy and, and will create more emissions. And one, energy storage, uh, assuming that it will store renewable energy, um, will help us reach our net zero goals. Uh, the fact that they're both happening simultaneously is almost like a perfect metaphor of, yeah. uh, you know, the conflict that Ontario energy policy is in and, and the conflict that this government is in, um, in, in handling it. Well, I, I know we're just about out of time, but I think, you know, it, it, the way this is evolving right now, uh, they don't have that hard and fast policy right now. And, and I guess what this is going to do it's it's going to drive them to have to make a decision. I mean, you know, are, is there talk about alternative energies just platitudes, or are they really committed to it? Uh, and well, they don't know that, that yet, which is I which is which is probably why they haven't granted you an interview yet. <laughs> don't ask us those <laughs> questions, Fatima. Please, not yet. <laughs> well, listen, the ISO, which is the uh, provincial wide operator, um, you know, that that helps create these policies um, and manage them. They have told me that the increase in natural gas is temporary until they figure it out, that they can't do too much. Otherwise, you know, the energy industry also needs time to adjust and, and so forth. And they've assured me that the natural gas increase is temporary and that they are seeing 
energy storage be part of uh, Ontario's grid in the long term? So if if, if there's hope in that, maybe. Um, but but you're right. Until we hear from the government, until we we really understand what the long term policy is, we're still going to have those questions. And and don't worry, Bill, I'll still keep asking them. Oh, I know that. I mean, if they want know one thing about you, it's it's you are relentless, and uh, that's probably <laughs> why they're so hesitant. Great work on this, Fatima. As always, thank you for spending some time with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. This was awesome. Have a good Take week. Take care. Fatima Sayed, journalist with the, uh, the Narwhal. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.